You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Okay, so we're going on with this Advent season. We're on the topic of peace. And one of the hardest things probably to experience in this season is peace. Because it is such a crazy time, at least for me it is. It's such a crazy season of school stuff, of relatives coming in town, you going out of town, of decorations, of shopping. And it's like this idea of peace, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, can be so difficult for us to really experience and to walk in uh, during the season and just in general in in life. Just this past week, I was uh, doing some decorations outside at my house, and I I don't really do it up that much. It's just some some lights and and some, uh, you know, snowmen outside. They melt pretty fast. But anyway, just, just, for, the, just for the kids. Um, and, uh, and I was looking down the street, and I saw my neighbor down there. He was decorating. He was going crazy with lights, and he was doing all kinds of stuff, showing up the whole neighborhood. And he, was, he could not get the things to work. He was going crazy. And so I took this video of him with the lights. His name's Clark. And uh, I want to show this quick video of him <laughs> with the lights. It was unbelievable. If you got that, go ahead and show that. Just a quick video. I don't believe what they're yelling about. What the? What's going on here? 25,000 twinkle lights. What's he doing, Clark? I haven't the foggiest. What the hell? Where the hell? Yeah, this is, it gets bad here. <laughs> there goes Santa. So the lights all worked after that. That's a classic, iconic movie that you've probably all seen. Christmas Vacation, Clark Griswold, my father. No. But, but honestly, this season can feel like that, can't it? It's just a crazy time sometimes. And the last thing we experience is peace. And, and Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Um, Webster defines peace in kind of three sections. I want to read, read it because I think it's a pretty cool or accurate way of describing peace. It says, he says there's three, three kinds of peace. He says it's a security Within a community, it's freedom, second one, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts, emotions, and it's harmony in relationship. And this is, an, I mean, this is a non-Christian definition of peace, but I think if you ask the average person on the street what they, say, what they think peace is, they would probably define it more as the freedom from something. Like it's the freedom from anxiety or the freedom from fear. It's more like a sense of, I'm okay, right? It's a sense of well-being. It's since, and I think all of us, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian even, I think everyone would, would want that feeling, that you're okay. Like, I just want to feel like my life is stable or I'm okay and that things are going to work out in the end. Things are, things are going to be okay. And in this, in this season, I, I feel like I want to talk about peace a little bit differently. It's going to be a little bit theological, dare I say that word. It's going to be a little theological because I want to talk about what it, what it looks like to have peace in the, in the sense of the inner peace, but it comes from another, another source. It comes from another reality. So let me, let me read this, the classic verse from Isaiah. It says, we've read this, the Christmas verse, For unto us a child is born, 
a son is given, the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. So this is the first definition, I'd say, of peace. In the, Greek, in the Hebrew, it's, it's shalom. And the word shalom means everything. It means inner peace. It means peace with God. It means peace on earth. And the Jews would have thought this is what the Messiah was going to bring. Because they read Isaiah, they read this verse, and they thought, he's going to bring peace. He's going to crush the oppressors. He's going to bring justice. He's going to bring, he's going to bring righteousness on earth, and he's going, to, he's going to give us the land back, and he's going to set us free. And they weren't wrong, right? They weren't wrong about that. They just had it in the wrong order. Before Jesus comes, before Jesus comes as the Lion of Judah to bring that kind of peace, he comes as the Lamb of God to provide the way of peace. And so the, the most, I, wanted, I want to use that definition first, that, that Jesus will someday come back to bring peace on earth. He's going to come back, and he's going to, he's going to bring justice. He's going to end wickedness and oppression, and he's going to set things right. And it's a beautiful picture of the coming Messiah, but the Jews had it backwards. There had to be a sacrifice first. So I'm going to talk about that first. I wanted, I wanted to say this was the first definition because this is such a primary thing. It's such a, if you ask the average Jew in, in, in first century Israel, what is peace? They, would, they wouldn't say a sense of well-being. They would be like, I want the Romans dead. <laughs> you know, they would say, I want, I want my rights. I want the end of war. I want the end of bloodshed. And in America, we don't, really, we don't feel that as much. We see it still happening around the world. There is things happening that are, that are, that are hard to see. But our lives are pretty peaceful in America. We, they really are. We're, we're safe for the most part. We're, we're at a time of peace. So we don't even think about this idea of peace. But for the Jews, that was the idea. Jesus, the Messiah, would bring peace. He would crush the oppressors. And so we look at them and go, they're crazy. I mean, he didn't come to bring warfare. And, but, he, but eventually, when he, when he returns, he will bring justice. So that's the first definition of peace. Now, I want to say this. Okay, let's, let's, let's skip to a verse that talks about peace from another angle. The peace that we all want is the peace that comes inside, right? We, we, we want inner peace. I want to feel like the burdens that I'm carrying are not mine, that they, they are they're given to the Lord. And all of us want that experience. It's this experience of, of God's Holy Spirit working in us, giving us a sense of I'm not in control and the burdens I have belong to him, not me. That's what we want. But it comes at a price, right? It comes at this baby being born 2,000 years ago of a virgin and walking a road of suffering and pain in order for me to be at peace, right? So Romans chapter 5, this amazing story, or this amazing sort of summary of what Jesus did uh, is what I've been sort of meditating on this past few weeks. I'm going to skip around a little bit from five, verse, verse 1 down to verse 8. So, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so it's justification by faith. Justified, I'm just going to to stop throughout this scripture because it's so deep. Justified means you've been declared completely, absolutely forgiven, just as if you'd never sinned. So you've been justified by faith, by faith in something. Faith is not just random faith. It's not just faith like I have good hope for the future, you know, faith. It's faith in a man. So justified by faith, we have peace with God through who? Jesus Christ. So the justification by faith is faith in Christ. Through him, we have obtained access. That's an amazing word. The word is access. We have obtained access, again, by faith into the grace in which we stand. So we have access because of what Jesus did. We have access to everything that he had access to as the Son of God. Grace just means you've got it all. 
You've got it all. The power is there. The joy is there. The peace is there. The relationship is there. The approval, the confidence, everything that Jesus Christ as the Son of God had with the Father, as his relationship with God was, was we have the same exact access. That's incredible. That's, that is unbelievable that I could say, in the name of Jesus, you know, you're healed. And that, that is real. It's not, that's not, it's, it's my faith may affect that, or my lack of faith, rather. But the reality is, I have that access, just like Jesus did. I have the same access when I'm struggling with, with uh, fear or anxiety. I have the same access that Jesus had to, with the Father, to rebuke fear. And so he says, we have access into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Skipping down to verse 8. Here it is. God shows us his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we are still separated from him because of rebellion, because of sin, since therefore we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Literally, verse 8 says, God shows his love for us, and verse 9 says, God has wrath towards us. It seems like in a contradiction, doesn't it? Like, like how does God have wrath? And then in verse 8, it says he shows his love for us. Well, God is love, correct? And in that love, there is justice. In, in his love, there has to be justice. There has to be a sense that everything that has been done in rebellion will, will someday be reconciled and made right. There has to be justice. There has to be discipline, right? They're in, in love. What, what, what parent doesn't? discipline a child when they continually are, are rebellious. So, so God is saying, let me, let me step back real fast. God is saying, there's wrath if you don't know me, but I've provided a way and I've expressed my love in the most extreme way by sending my son. Here's the theological, here's the theological part, okay? Going back to the story of Adam and Eve, right, in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. They were, born, they were born with the possibility, with the potential, with the, with the, with the strength, or I guess it's just the possibility, of not sinning. They could have walked perfectly. Adam and Eve were not born with a rebellious nature. They could have walked absolutely sinlessly had they wanted to, and they chose not to. And ever since that day, every human being ever born has had a rebellious nature, a gene, if you want to find it in the human genome, it's not, probably not there, but, but it's in there. And all of our DNA, rebellion is there. Every single one of us, whether it's Bin Laden or Mother Teresa, every single person has had a rebellious gene, and no one has ever walked in perfection. But God requires perfection. God cannot just, God cannot just wink at sin. He doesn't just go, no big deal, boys will be boys. No big deal, you were in a fraternity that time. No big deal. No big deal. You need to make a big sale, and you need to lie a little bit. No big deal. God doesn't wink at sin. He can't. He is pure light. He's pure holiness. He's pure love. And he can't just fellowship with darkness. So some, someone had to obey perfectly. The second Adam, which Paul calls him, Jesus, did that. And he did that because he was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, that's this whole idea of the Immaculate Conception, this beautiful story that the Holy Spirit put Jesus in Mary. So he was born without a sin nature, without a rebellious gene. So now he's the second Adam, and he has the possibility of walking in pure, perfect obedience. And he could have chose not to, just like Adam. And so someone had to obey, and Jesus did. 
It's not just that he died on the cross. It's not, just, it's not just that he went to the cross. I could go to the cross. You can go to the cross. It doesn't satisfy God's wrath. It doesn't satisfy justice. It doesn't satisfy anything. It's just me dying on the cross because I'm, I deserve it. But Jesus didn't deserve it. He perfectly obeyed. And had he sinned one time, he would have been disqualified. But he didn't. Hebrews 4 says, 4.15, We do not have a high priest who, who is unable to sympathize with weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, but was without sin. That's the story of Christmas, folks. Like, the wrath of God is there. This man, God provides the most extravagant expression of his love in sending his son, his perfect son, to be a sacrifice, to appease his wrath, to provide a way that justice would still be served, justice would still be met, and we would have full access by grace. It's amazing. We don't deserve it. It's unbelievable. Like, it's, it's, it's the peace that we experience. It's the horizontal, a vertical peace that with, with God. We want the inner peace. But we cannot have inner peace until we have that peace understood. Does that make sense? Anyone, you, can, you, can be on the, you can live, you know, a life of, of, of simplicity, of ease, of, of success, and you will never have real inner peace until there's peace with God. Until you know your Father loves you, that he's expressed his love through his Son, he's taken the wrath and the justice on himself, and now you can walk. And as soon as you make that choice with God, as soon as you decide, there is not an ounce of wrath for you left. There's not an ounce of judgment left for you. You are completely free, forgiven, approved of, and you're qualified. Because Jesus was qualified through his obedience, you are now qualified. Because when God looks at you, he sees the obedience of Christ. When he looks at you, he sees the beauty of his son. He says, son, he adopts you, as his own son and daughter. It's, a, it's unbelievable, folks. It's an amazing story, it's a, and it's true. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's, it's real. And so we want the, the peace that comes with the, the, the feeling of peace, but it only happens first with knowing him as our father. I saw this, I, didn't, I wasn't going to mention this, this was two days ago. You usually don't change your talk like a day before, but I feel like this, this story it was so powerful, and it really, it really is kind of unrelated, but I'm going to share it anyway. But I feel like I saw, we were watching a movie, my wife and I were watching a movie two days ago, and we turned it off, and, and 2020 was on. And I've watched 2020 like twice in my whole life, okay? I'm not like 75 years old. Like 2020, it's probably, you know, 2020 is on. Let's watch 2020. I love the show, you know. So 2020 is on, and there's this story. Let me see this two days ago with the, with the guy looking for his two kids from Korea. Okay, so this guy was in the Korean War. No one saw it, exactly. 2020, no one saw it. Yeah, so we're sitting there, and we get, we get mesmerized by this story. It's like late, or like, this is so, it's so touching. So this guy went to the Korean War back in the 50s, and he marries this Korean woman. They have twins, and he gets sent back home, and she, he, he's not allowed to bring her. So he, she stays there with the kids, and that's the last time he sees them. They're four years old. They, he leaves and comes back to the United States, and he spends his whole life trying to get back to his kids. Literally, they, they, the mom has to give them up for adoption because they were half American, half Korean or whatever. They're, they're rejected, so she gives them up for adoption. They change the name. They change the birthday. They can't find the kids. And so this whole story unfolds about this, 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 this quest this man has to find his two kids, these twins, boy, a boy and a girl. And, of course, they, they do find them. And the scene unfolds where the, the two kids are, are meeting their dad. And it's, it's unbelievable. Like, we had to watch and stay up until, you know, whatever it was, 11 o'clock. And we're sitting there, and the dad's there, and he's a broken man. He's, not a, he's, a, he's a broken man, from, he, he thinking that he left his kids all those years. And they're broken kids. They grew up 
through, through adoption and through or, or, orphanages, and they were rejected in their own country. And the, and the son is really, really a bitter, bitter guy, and he's, and he's broken. And, he, and they meet their dad for the first time, and there's like this you know, weirdness at first, and they hug, and then they just, begin, they just all began weeping like simultaneously. It was, it was crazy. Like It was so amazing. Like That kind of love comes from God. Like it's, a, it's implanted in us as a father or a mother. It's like, that's not just like your DNA, like happy about being passed on or something. That, that's like the Lord in you, his common grace for every person, not just, that's a different story. But anyway, so the dad is there holding his kids, and he's like, he's like 70. They're like, they're like in their mid-40s. And the son just says this amazing thing. He says, he says, I have a father he says, I have a father. I never knew I had a father. He's like, I can't believe you're my father. You're my father. And he keeps saying it. This hardened man, like he's got just, he's, he's messed up. And, he's, and he keeps saying, I, I can't believe it. And I feel like there are many of us here today that have fathers, but feel like we are orphans. We are orphans. It's, it's called like a, the orphan spirit. Like we have this sense that we are alone. And the Father God has provided and run after you in every possible way to restore a relationship with you this morning. And he wants you to be free. He wants you to know his love for you and give you peace. He wants to be your father. He's been there the whole time, folks. He's been there longing for you, waiting for you, and he's done everything he can. And this Christmas, the story is about this radical love of the Father to send his perfect son to buy back his other sons and daughters, and to adopt them into his kingdom. That's the story of Christmas. It really is. Jesus said in 14, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. I'll stop there. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. There it is. So he says this, it says it's, it's an interesting phrase. He says, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I think what he's saying is, peace I leave with you. In other words, the vertical peace that is about to happen, the restoration of you and God, I leave with you, okay? And now once you understand that, once you receive me into your life, my peace I give you. So this peace, capital P, results in the sense, the sense, the the fruit of peace in our lives. And we can experience, in the midst of anything we're going through, I mean, it's hard to, that's, a, that's a strong statement to say that, but I, I really believe this. We can experience the peace of Christ. It's not our peace. It's his peace in us. The peace that he had going to the cross. The peace that he had being persecuted. The peace that he had at creation when he was with his father. The peace that he has right now making intercession for you next to, him, next to his father in heaven. The peace is not our peace. It's his peace in us by the Spirit. Does that make sense? In us by the Spirit. And we can experience it at any moment in the good times and hard times when the doctor says you're diagnosed with this and this and this. You don't deny that, right? You don't say, no, I don't, I don't have that. You don't say, no, I'm, I'm not sick. You say, it's, that's a fact. And you may, have, you may have fear. It's a fact. There's something greater than the fact. It's the truth. The truth trumps the facts. And the truth is he's with you right now and he's your healer and he'll set you free and he can touch you and heal you and he's, and he, and he's, not, he's all you need. You know, my, my son Jonah has been diagnosed recently with this problem of his eyes crossing, and it's called strabismus. And he, we've gone to three different doctors, and he has this condition where if he looks, looks at something far away, his eyes begin to cross, and it's getting worse and worse, right? 
And the only solution, because it's, it's not just one eye, the only solution that they've offered is surgery. And it's going to be not one, but two, three surgeries per eye. And it only works half the time. And so that's a hard thing to hear. That's a hard thing to, 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 to I don't, but I don't deny it. I don't sit there and go, no, doctor, you're wrong. I, I'm, I'm saying to myself, that is a fact. There's feelings of fear. There's feelings of, of sadness. But there's something greater than those feelings and the facts, and that is the truth. He is peace. And he is with us, and I'm going to pray for healing for my son. And it may come through a doctor giving surgery, or it may come through the Lord healing healing him supernaturally. But I'm not going to accept the facts. I'm not going to accept the simple declaration that this is what's going to happen. And that's what we do as Christians. We have access to everything Jesus purchased for you. It doesn't matter if you're one day old in Christ or 25 years in Christ. You have the same access because there's no difference. There's no favoritism with God. He sees Jesus when he looks at you, and he says, you're in. You have favor. You're highly favored. So where is, where is your peace right now? Do you have peace with God, honestly? I mean, there may be some people here that do not know Jesus, and you, you're here because you're visiting, or you're here because someone brought you along, or you may be here for, you've been here for years. But if you don't have peace with God, you can't really have peace within. Does that make sense? You can, you can go to counseling. You can take medication. You can take vacations. You can do a lot of things the world has to offer. But the world will never give you true peace if you, unless you have peace with God. So if you don't know Jesus, today you can make that choice. There's no qualifications. There's no, there's no probationary period. You simply make the statement, I give you everything, God, for everything that I am, for all of you are, for all that you are and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And that's it. Jesus, Jesus doesn't hold back because you're not doing enough good things or you're not looking a certain way. He doesn't make you get cleaned up to be accepted. He accepts you so you can get cleaned up. Right? That's, that's how it works. He accepts you first so that you can get cleaned up. You, you have to experience the Father's embrace before you ever change anything. You can't change first and then experience the Father's embrace. That's called legalism. That's, that's something totally different. That's, that's, not, that's not Christianity. So that's where it is. And if you, if you do know Jesus, where, where are you experiencing peace right now? Are you experiencing the peace of Jesus in your life? Where is it that you, you need a touch from God to give that burden to him this morning? You know, that's something, something, something that you've, you've experienced in the past few weeks, a burden that you're carrying. But you can experience the peace of Jesus right now, this morning, where you are. So let's stand. I'm going to pray. We'll have some time of prayer. <clears throat> I'm just going to read this last verse one we've all heard as we just close our eyes and, and, and just uh, I'm going to make this personal I'm going to make this kind of in, in the first person here and just close your eyes and listen to this about, from Isaiah 53 Surely he has borne my griefs he has carried my sorrows but I esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for my sin and transgression. He was crushed for my iniquity. And upon him was the punishment that brought me peace. And by his stripes I am healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, and I have turned to my own way, but the Lord has laid on him my iniquity. Father, we praise you this morning that the work is done, and that Jesus Christ came 
as a little child to walk out this road of perfect obedience to reconcile me to you and us to you. Father, I pray you'd pour out peace right now by your Holy Spirit. This amazing story, this amazing reality that a God who would spare nothing, including his son, to reconcile himself to his children, it's real, Father. And I pray you would touch our hearts with this reality and this powerful truth that you love and you choose and call us to yourself before we even knew it, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would speak and pour out peace right now by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.